One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, September 14th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio K9, I'm Sarah Lane. And from Sailor Snub Studio, I'm Shannon Morse. And from a partly cloudy mid-September Ohio, I'm Len Peralta. Ooh, that sounded very poetic. Thank you. And from the edges of L.A. County, it's me, Roger. Edges of L.A. <laughs> County. All right. Uh, only one person should get to say and in the future, I think. That was a lot. And. Why well, didn't put? Well, who yeah. put? Eh. Also, Len, you originally had sunny down. Eh, so yeah, when I wrote change. it, it was sunny. All right. Now it's, now it's partly it's cloudy. It's always sunny in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> until now. Uh, we are going to talk about Nintendo Direct uh, and some of the exciting announcements that came out of that and also sort of talk about the state of the Switch and where it sits in the console wars. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung sent an invite to a Galaxy event on October 11th that promises four times the fun. The invite adds, quote, Samsung's newest Galaxy device is bringing more ways to express yourself than ever before. Uh, what they wrote was 4X, which I assume is means four times two, but I don't know. What if it means I mean, something yeah, else? Quadruple X. Sure. Yeah. The Samsung 4X is coming. 4Xs. <laughs> LG sent an invite to an announcement of its V40 ThinQ for October 3rd, 2018. The announcement reads, take five, come and see what's next. Rumors have suggested the phone would come with five cameras. Hmm. That's ridiculous. Isn't <laughs> take five a boy band? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think it is. Well, maybe they'll play. Uh, Google published a teaser page in the Google Store that just has the number three and a button to sign up for more info. If you'd like to know more info about the third number in our list of numbers, uh, presumably it's about the Pixel 3. And Google has an event in New York and Paris scheduled for October 9th that coyly uses the number three. So that's what that's all about. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about Microsoft, what they're buying these days, Shannon. Microsoft announced it has acquired Loeb, a company that makes drag-and-drop tools to create machine learning models. Loeb launched in beta earlier this year, and Microsoft plans to let it keep operating as it has been while using it in its own efforts to make building AI models easier, like Azure ML Studio platform. And this is pretty cool because they're not only acquiring Loeb, but they've also acquired a couple of other uh, similar type of companies as well, Bonsai, AI, and Semantic Machines, too. So you can definitely see a trend going here. Yeah, Microsoft is is among the, you know, I don't know, leaders may, may sound too 
positive, but but one of the companies that is really going after machine learning and trying to get in that space, Google, of course, doing it as well, Facebook doing it as well. Others are doing it. It's not like a, Apple isn't doing it. They're just not as public about it. But I, I like these these companies like Loeb. It's a really slick interface if you get a chance to look at it, uh, much slicker than Azure ML Studio currently. So I'm assuming they'll be, they'll be taking that design ethic, if nothing else, and, and putting it over there and taking some of the difficulty out of it. Now, for those you know who who uh, grew up learning to code HTML by hand, uh, they used to get sort of bent out of shape at all of those editors out there that created the HTML for you. But they're super handy in getting things done quick, and that's kind of what this is for machine learning, which is even more complex. Mary Meeker's annual Internet Trends reports are hailed as one of the best evaluations of the industry. She's been doing them or something along those lines for decades now. But Mary Meeker will no longer be doing them from Kleiner, Perkins, Caulfield, and Byers because Meeker joined the VC firm back in 2010, but is now leaving with three others to form a new firm. Now, I have to say, before I looked up who the other three people were, I was like, yay, women firm. It's not, but that's okay. Uh, it's it, it, this. The story kind of reminds me, Tom, of, of our conversation from yesterday about how Microsoft at one point was, you know, all anybody could talk about was sort of antitrust because things do change. And Kleiner Perkins is one of the oldest VC firms really of the first dot-com boom. So the fact that um, Meeker is leaving is a little bit inside baseball, probably for a lot of folks who don't really care who works at what VC firm, but She's been there a long time and arguably sort of their superstar these days. Well, and she was a superstar before she went to Kleiner Perkins. It was considered to be a coup for Kleiner Perkins to get her and sort of burnished their reputation. Because by 2010, Kleiner Perkins was no longer the dot-com VC firm. And this sort of put to rest like, oh, they're still relevant even in 2010. Look at them getting, you know, snapping up Mary Meeker. Mary Meeker... I feel like has outgrown Kleiner Perkins. Uh, maybe that Kleiner Perkins Caulfield and Byers should have had a Meeker in it and they would have kept her uh, because it looks like from what, from the tea leaves I've read, particularly the recode story, it seems like Meeker wants to do things her way. Kleiner didn't really love that or, or, or at least, you know, they keep wanted to keep things do, doing things their way. And so they decided to part ways and, and publicly they're all being very amicable about, all about it. So there's no reason to think it's anything, but it may just be a difference in opinion. And the, and the thing that Meeker is, is gambling is that she will be able to continue to be as influential as she has been at Kleiner because she's Mary Meeker. And I think that's a good bet. Yeah, I mean, this is not unlike uh, somebody working at a at, at a sort of a, at a established uh, tech firm, right? And you mm -hmm. go like, well, but your job is so good, you know. What, what do you care? It's 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 all you know. It's it's all gravy, right? But um, this is this is what happens, especially when uh, firms that give companies money to create a technology that we all use get long in the tooth. Things change. People if, start new firms. And if you're out there going like, wait, who's Mary Meeker again? Uh, it's the Internet Trends Report. We talk about it every year because it is mm -hmm. usually spot on. If for no, no other reason that it summarizes exactly what's hot right now, but also does a great job of pointing out these are the things you want to keep an eye on for the next year or so. And yeah, it's, it's a slideshow she's been doing uh, at the Code Conference for the last few years, but she's been she's she she's was doing it at Web two putting this together. That. Yes, for she was doing it at Morgan Stanley. She was doing yeah. it before yeah. she went to Morgan Stanley. She's been doing exactly. that slideshow. Yeah. I don't know, you know, since the nineties, I think. 
So so anyway, uh, Meeker stands alone and don't need nobody else. I'll be curious if if the new VC firm has like a a funky cool name or it's just a person name with Meeker's name in the in the, Meeker and Co. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, moving on, NVIDIA has a new tool called NVIDIA Scanner available for the RTX 2080 graphics cards. It promises one-click overclocking by running workload tests and checking the voltage curve for failures, which NVIDIA says it should take about 20 minutes. NVIDIA says the scanner will also be available for older generations of GPUs, and it's also working with MSI Gigabyte Asus, and other card makers on an API for existing GPU management tools. Uh, So this NVIDIA scanner tool, it's going to be software that's going to be kind of sold with a lot of these GPUs that are coming to market from all of those other retailers like they mentioned and possibly some other retailers that have not been mentioned yet. And uh, this is making overclocking super, super simple because for the longest time, it takes forever to overclock. Uh, So 20 minutes has been kind of uh, non-existent up to this point. So the RTX 2080 and NVIDIA scanner is introducing something completely new to the video gaming industry and allows pretty much anybody to be able to overclock as long as they have this kind of GPU. This this and the the drag and drop machine learning uh, really, in my head, I'm imagining some person out there saying they're making it too easy. <laughs> I remember when I had to spend all day to overclock uh, a GPU or a CPU. Kids these days, they don't understand. Yeah, 20 minutes. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, honestly, there is, there there is an honest reason to want to do it yourself. You learn a lot when you do stuff like that. I get that. Uh, but if the whole point is, I just, I just want to have the speed. I mean, why, why wouldn't you love this? Uh, 20 minutes to overclock a GPU, which is, which is tricky. Yeah. And, and it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, however, a lot of pl- people are touting that the RTX uh, 2080s are going to be a lot faster than the 1080s. So you could also argue that you don't even need to overclock to be able to do most processing powers that you would generally uh, need on a day-to-day usage. Even for my video editing or normal video gaming that you know I personally do, or like my husband does, we don't necessarily need to overclock. But if you're doing a lot more power-intensive work, uh, for example, if you're generating algorithms or using this at a scientific level, then this would be extremely useful from that use case scenario. I mean, well, I'm sure the- people do overclock for those reasons, but most of the people I've ever known overclock because <laughs> I mean, they just can, right? Like they just. I won't. mean, it's it's a very interesting proposition because it's something that Intel's sort of been doing with Turbo Boost on their CPUs, right. which is to basically give you overhead on your existing hardware that you purchased. And I'm wondering if down the line, NVIDIA will start binning parts on their overclockability. So, hey, if you get a Founders Edition, you're going you're gonna to get guaranteed 30% overhead uh, overclocking ability on whatever you buy. And, you know, everything else is just kind of a toss-up of whatever you get when, when the, the manufacturer, you know, sources the parts from NVIDIA. So I, I, I am definitely very fascinated by this, and I'm going to keep my eye on it because it's one of those things that sounds cool, but there's, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
I um, disclaimer: I did get paid by Nvidia to go to Gamescom last mm. month to report on the keynote and report on the convention over there. Um, so hopefully, I can get an RTX twenty eighty in to review for my own shows. And if that's possible, Roger, I'll let you know how that overclocking goes. Yeah, because there's some people who are skeptical that it's going to be enough performance in the right areas. Exactly, so it'll, be, it'll yeah. be fun to test. Google Chrome 70 beta can now support fingerprint sensors in Android and macOS. Yay! Web developers can use fingerprints to authenticate access. Chrome is also added in web Bluetooth support to Windows 10 and adding the experimental shape detection API for identifying faces, barcodes, and text in images. Yeah, so Bluetooth support was already available pretty much everywhere else but Windows 10. That's a, you know, thank goodness it's finally here. Uh, Android and Mac OS getting fingerprint sensors is pretty cool. Like, I, I love the idea of being able to authenticate uh, on my device that yeah. way. As Although much as I, possible. It's interesting that they're not doing Touch ID. And maybe that's because they're like, well, that's kind of going away. <laughs> like, why bother? Why prioritize that? I think this is really cool from like a two factor authentication standpoint, Mm -hmm. like you'll be able to authenticate more often on like your Android phone uh, to websites or to applications that want to authenticate you that way. And if you're not too privy on the idea of downloading an additional application like Authy or Google Authenticator, or maybe you don't want to buy a third party platform like a YubiKey, then you could just authenticate with your fingerprint through Google Chrome. So they are making this in my mind, a little bit more convenient from a security level. And uh, any any more convenience for security is highly appreciated in my standards. Yeah, so so the, the security of the fingerprint sensor mechanism itself from Android and macOS aside, because that can, right. especially in Android, that can be a question, and certainly a question with macOS too. Uh, I'm just saying with Android, it's multiple partners doing it, so you, you have to evaluate them individually. I just want to say, thumb is something I always have. <laughs> it's my second factor. So if it's that not can be change. secure, I lose. See, on on Mac hope. OS, I'm I'm all index, no thumbs. Oh, okay, yeah. Now you know what? You're right. I actually do index on on the laptop thumbprints too. I think it's just yeah, it's it's yeah. the way that it's laid out. <laughs> but, but hopefully, I'm not <laughs> losing that. Either, either. So, yeah. <laughs> as long as it's me. <laughs> Lifehacker has a handy guide to getting iOS 12 right now. Rather than wait until next week, uh, it's coming to everybody on the 17th, but there's this golden window uh, where you may have realized already that the gold master of iOS 12 is out in beta. Gold master is usually identical to the public release. So between now and the 17th, if you go and and you're not already signed up at beta.apple.com, you can sign up from Safari uh, on your iOS device. It's probably easiest. And then reset your phone. Go to software update under the general settings. Get that new operating system. It'll be pretty much identical to the one that's coming out next week. And then if you're like, look, I'm just not in the beta game. Like people who are already in the beta, you already have this. This is for people who are like, well, I want it now, but I didn't want to be in all the betas earlier on. So get it, download it, and then unregister yourself by removing the iOS 12 beta software profile in your settings. You'll keep the beta version of iOS 12. It'll be identical to the one that comes out on the 17th. And then from then on, you'll get the normal updates that everyone else gets. This seems like something that should not work. It <laughs> does, at least, at least for now. I, and there's always a possibility that the gold master, the golden master doesn't have everything that comes out on the 17th. That's pretty unlikely though. It's, it's just one of those things where I realize like you get to choose when you get an update 
these right. days, yeah. right? Like you could have had this already if you were part of the beta program. I know lots of people are in the beta program, but earlier in the process, like when iOS 13 or whatever they end up calling it comes out, it'll be a little buggier at first. And some people are like, you know what? I, I rely on this phone for work. I, I don't want it to be buggy, but I do want iOS 12 earlier when it's not buggy. And this is the one that's not buggy. So, you know, kind of a cool way to dive on in. I will be doing this. Mm, let us know how it goes. <laughs> I will. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right, Nintendo Direct announced a bunch of software, which has been a concern. Nintendo Switch has been selling really well. Uh, in fact, Nintendo kind of tries to argue that it sells better than the PlayStation over equivalent time periods, etc. But the sales have been slowing, and a lot of people think that's because of a lack of of continuous game releases, both from Nintendo and third parties. Well, they're trying to fix that. Luigi's Mansion 3 and a new Animal Crossing game coming to Nintendo Switch in 2019. Final Fantasy 7, 9, 10, X2 HD Remaster, 10 to HD Remaster, and 12 are also coming to Switch in 2019. More than a dozen other titles were also announced. Plus, Nintendo has pairs of wireless NES controllers for the Switch. If you sign up for a Nintendo Switch Online membership, which goes live September 18th, you can pay 60 bucks for a pair of wireless NES controllers that will be shipping in mid-December. Uh, Civilization coming. Uh, EA Sports FIFA 20 or FIFA 19 coming. Katamari Damacy Reroll coming. I mean, Shannon, this the, they threw out a lot of names of titles in this. Oh, yes, they did. And I am super excited about it because, like, I have my Nintendo Switch right here and I take it with me everywhere I go in this world, including when I went to Germany last month. So I'm very stoked about this. But I think one of the coolest and most interesting ones that they decided to release is a whole series of Final Fantasy games, um, which which was just introduced, uh, including Final Fantasy VII is in there. Hilariously, they skipped Final Fantasy VIII, which I thought was really funny because a lot of people don't like that game. <laughs> so I was like, like, nobody wants it. Yeah. So they were like, well, yeah. it, it won't sell, so might as well not. Final Fantasy Nine, Ten. Um, there's twelve HD remaster. There's or a ten two HD remaster, and then there's Final Fantasy twelve. But uh, we don't have exact specific dates for those releases yet and we don't also have the prices either for a lot of these games so yeah, a lot of, of retro folks... stuff is part of nintendo online so or switch online so i'm curious if that would be true of final fantasy or if it'd be some sort of separate pack yeah, so so hopefully they would in, be included with Switch Online, which is also releasing again, like you said, in four days. And luckily, that's only going to cost about twenty bucks a year, so it'll be a really decent price to be able to play a lot of those old games. And Switch Online is also going to be including uh, games that are the classic Final Fantasies too, and they will also have a lot of the classic Zeldas and classic uh, Mar- Super Mario games as well that you'll be able to play on there. Uh, but again, those dates aren't finally confirmed. We just know that they're going to be coming out sometime in 2019 and that's about it. Now, one of the interesting ones that I thought was kind of cool is that they're announcing digital board games that you'll be able to play, uh, like Settlers of Catan and Pandemic, uh, which is really, really interesting in that you'll be able to, you know, play multiplayer games that are supposed to be board games, you know, on a tabletop, on your Switches, uh, which arguatively would also help them sell a lot more of these too because multiple people will be able to play on multiple uh, switches together and uh, according to a source very close to the show 
Munchkin is going to be one of those games as well. That's right. <laughs> Someone we know did art for Munchkin. <laughs> yeah. At some point. So he's, exciting. Yeah. No, uh, Len put that in the show notes as well. So add that to the board games. That's a really cool idea. I, I, I love that. And the, the genius of... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Nintendo Switch has been that it doesn't compete with the PlayStation or the Xbox. I mean, Xbox is getting these Final Fantasies too, but it's it just feels different that they're coming to Nintendo. Uh, remember, Nintendo tweeted back on June 30th after they announced they had sold 19.67 million Switches that after approximately 16 months, PS4 had sold 20.2 million units. The Switch has sold 19.6 million in 15 months. And Ooh. the PS4 did their 20 million with two holiday seasons while the Switch only went through one. So, you know, they're, they're trying to make the comparison, but I see the Switch and its success in part due to the fact that you don't pick the Switch over the Xbox or the PlayStation. You pick it in addition to it. And Absolutely. In a lot of cases. I, you know, it's very interesting because this this whole... The, the, this this whole map of of releases is very Nintendo, right? Like you, you sock it full of reissues of old games that you know are popular, so you're playing it safe there. And then you do a bunch of sequels of titles you know people already like, so you already have a built-in audio. It's it's very much Nintendo's wheelhouse of hey, we're just going to repackage stuff that you've played before. Well, I'd maybe some you know a, a fresh coat of paint and some new features it's the same game you've always liked and we know people like playing it because we still sell it on steam we sell you know a, a catalog you know we sell like you know a back catalog for for ps3 and ps4 and xbox it's 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 very telling that they're very comfortable where they're at right because they're not they're not 
they're they're not desperate where oh we need to release a brand new title a new franchise something that you know it's going to wet people's appetite we're comfortable where we are we can do all this stuff and we know where we're going to be you know in 6 12 months time in terms of market share is that also the criticism, though, is that Nintendo is too comfortable and they just keep trading on old IP rather yeah, than coming you, up with something new? And, you know, it's really interesting because that's it, it. What I've learned, you know, I, I work, used to work at GameSpot and we doing all, all the game coverage and just talking to a lot of the, the game editors and reviewers. It really depends on where you sit. If you're very nostalgic, this stuff is like, you know, gold. If you're more of the kind of like, I don't really have a cultural or, or you know, history with these titles, so they don't have the same pull on me. You kind of shrug your shoulders, and you know you, that that's very much a legitimate argument that Nintendo often t- times tends to play it safe until they get themselves in a bind. For example, at the Wii U, and they do something very, very fat, uh, very interesting, uh, uh, you know, very out of the box like the Switch, and you know they like they spin it all around, but then they come back. Right, they just come back home where they feel comfortable, uh, and where they necessarily aren't like what you were saying. They aren't competing with PS4. They aren't competing with Xbox. They aren't competing with Steam. They are just nurturing the fan base, and hopefully, you know, and I, I don't know if that fan base will grows any, but it's there all the time, and so it's it's an X amount of dollars that they can expect to to pull in. I think that a fan base is always, it always has the ability to grow with like younger generations or even with uh, more people being introduced to these older fandoms in time, especially as we've seen as a general synopsis of, you know, the popularity of pop culture has grown a lot in popularity in the past few years. So seeing things like Final Fantasy and Zelda becoming more popular with the mainstream, I, I think that that would probably help Nintendo Switches grow too. And I'm even one of those households that has two switches not by my choice because i had the first one but my husband decided to buy one alongside we also have a ps4 so it's a perfect example of what you were mentioning tom the the the, the, the game the board game stuff is very fascinating to me because everyone and their mother has tried some spin on this whether it's microsoft whether it's sony uh they sony pulled out that one was it for the ps no ps3 that had the uh it came with a webcam and the big kind of rollout board, uh, game board and stuff. <laughs> Trying to integrate that into a video game environment has always been very kind of a nebulous thing, right? Do you just make it online only where someone sits with a controller and plays someone online? Is it something that if you need to make it so everyone around the room, say you have four or five friends with you to play, how do you integrate that without, you know, literally adding a $50 you know, packaged add-on that's the the board game with the pieces and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. You know, no one's figured it out quite yet, and I'm really, really curious to see how Nintendo uh, works with that. One thing I wanted to mention as well with the Nintendo Switch news is uh, the fact that they are – as we mentioned, they're mentioned, uh, they're introducing new bundles that come with a Pikachu theme console, for example, and a Super Smash Brothers console too. And these are just artistically refined to be uh, plastered with Pikachu on the front, or plastered with Pokemon, or plastered with Super Smash Brothers characters. While with other consoles, a lot of times you see them come out in with newer models of their uh, consoles. Like with the PS4, we have the the Pro model that has newer technology on the inside 
with Nintendo Switch, we don't see that. We just see the outside has been changed a little bit, the color scheme or the characters that are plastered on it. We don't see new technology on the inside. So I think that they're very comfortable with what they're doing with the switch again and they they know that they're going to continue selling these to a lot more people it's not just going to be the folks that got you know the very first one that was what was a blue and blue and red yeah i think you could you could choose from two different styles one with the blue red i think one was just black and black uh but but uh, you're right. They they aren't doing upgrades to technology because they built a machine that doesn't rely on having the fastest technology to be appealing. Uh, and yeah, we, Xbox and Sony they they do these kind of you know special branded versions where it's just you know Call of the Call of Duty sticker on there or so, you know Call of Duty art on there. They do that as well. Uh, but but they also do those upgraded ones that Shannon was talking about, and we're not mm-hmm. seeing Nintendo do that. This is their big holiday seller, which is you know we're going to put Pikachu on there. Hope you enjoy and. Lots of people will. Um, also, going back to what something Roger said real quick before we wrap up, uh, it is interesting how Nintendo plays on nostalgia in two ways. One is just bringing back old games as part of Nintendo Online and giving you wireless NES controllers, but also up- upgrading. My wife's super excited that a new Animal Crossing is coming out. Uh, Animal Crossing, definitely an old franchise. It's been around for more than a decade, uh, but they're going to do something with it on the Switch that's new, and so you kind of keep bringing people back into the realm. She hasn't played the Switch more than once one or two times i know when this comes out she'll be picking it up all the time maybe we'll end up being like shannon and her husband and having to get two uh we'll see <laughs> well thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit nintendo stories aplenty but many more as well you can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com we're also on facebook check us out facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show oh mailbag what comes forth from you today? Ah, uh, ye mailbag. Sakani writes, uh, and this is uh, um, in reference to our conversation yesterday about Amazon being too big to fail and what it all means. Sakani says, is it a thing to consider a company too big that it's harmful if there's an issue with name recognition? For example, Amazon is the first and to some people the only destination for online shopping. When my wife and I, for various reasons, decided to drop our Prime membership, took us a while to adjust to finding certain products elsewhere. The alternatives exist, but it seems like it takes way more effort than it should to remind consumers that those alternatives are actually around. Some even offer free shipping or same-day delivery, and you don't need to pay a membership fee. Just a random thought. Can a company that consumers like too much be anti-competitive? Sakani, I think, is is hitting on what the legislators are wanting to shift the antitrust conversation to, which is Amazon dominates in the platform. Even if it benefits consumers, it's anti-competitive because it has a bad effect on the marketplace itself. And that, you know, if it's not hurting consumers, it's, it's a harder argument to make. But, you know, go back to yesterday's show if you want to pursue that line of argument. Sakani's living the effect of that argument, which is, yeah, maybe beneficial for me. But if I don't want to choose it or I don't want to pay for Prime anymore, it does make more, life more difficult. Right. Well, and I mean, it reminds me of how I feel about Google. I, I don't really have any problems with Google. I like it very much. <laughs> are there any competitive things to consider? Yes, there are. Yeah. There's certainly things to consider, but I still find it a great product compared to you know, you know the competition. Once I finish moving and all of that stress is out of the way, I want to get back to this idea of taking a challenge to not use Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google. Like, oh, can I go what? through a month? 
I didn't realize using... this was a thing. Yeah, no, I mentioned no. it maybe once before, but I've, oh, okay. I've been toying with the idea of can you make it a month without using those four? Because if you can't, that's a problem. You should be able to not use those four companies if you want to. Um, I challenge you to do this. Yeah, I know. And I Just look forward wait, to wait your until results. I moved in, okay? And then you can challenge okay. me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's check in with Len Peralta, who's been illustrating this uh, episode. What do you got, Len? Well, thank you so much, Tom, for giving me something fun like Nintendo to draw on my uh, my first day back after a while. Um, you know, I, I don't have it a Switch. I grew up on Nintendo. Uh, I know there's tons of people that are excited about it, uh, including Luigi, uh, who, of course, has a new game. Um, but, you know, the one thing I always notice is that it's like, you know, it's just another... Is it another Mario game? It's another... I mean, I'd love to see more new stuff for Nintendo <laughs> as opposed to just going back to the sad little Animal Crossing guy who's kind of a, a complaining. Got Tom Nook back there. I know who that is. It's, a, it's, an, uh, it's an unimpressed uh, bear? Panda? Like a little, I think it's a raccoon. Is oh, okay. Unimpressed raccoon. raccoon. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people are excited about it, and uh, but it would be great. I'm glad to see the board games. That's kind of exciting. But I'd love to see more stuff coming out for the Switch and Nintendo as well. So hopefully that'll be uh, coming down the wire so um but yeah so you can get this print right now over at lenperaltastore.com or if you become one of my patrons at patreon.com forward slash len uh you get this uh with everything else and on a personal note i just want to take a few seconds to say uh thank you very much to the dtns community uh for uh for your support over the past couple weeks it's been a couple it's been a hard month uh, and I got some really, really beautiful, nice messages from everybody. So I just wanted to say thank you, everybody, and thank you for the support. You're welcome, so, Len. On behalf um, of And thanks for being with us. We love you, Len. Oh, we love you guys, of course. Well, you know who else we love? We love Shannon Morse. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Thanks to Shannon Morse for being with us. We missed you as well, Shannon. So so happy to hear that your recent travel has been going well. What else can people catch up on from your life? Oh, I've missed y'all too. Uh, so I've been working really hard on tech thing over at tekthing.com. Most recently, we got in a couple of really awesome devices, the ThinkPad X1 Carbon from Lenovo. So we got to review that. And oh my gosh, the screen on it was beautiful. I fell in love. And the Moto Z3 5G, which is going to be the first 5G phone on Verizon. So that was really interesting to play with. And I had a lot of fun with that. And then, of course, we have ThreatWire over at Hack5. Org. And most recently, I did a whole feature about uh, the North Korean hacker that was charged against um, a bunch of different things that were happening in the hackerverse, as well as some interesting news about Fortnite. And I never thought I would talk about Fortnite on Threatwire, but I did a couple of weeks ago. So definitely check out hak5.org or youtube.com slash hack5 for those. And our shows are also on Patreon. So thank you so much to all of our patrons who also support DTNS as well if you are one of 10 people out there and you do not already support us on patreon i want you to do us a big favor right now if you can afford a dollar a month head to patreon.com slash dtns and sign up why do i say one out of 10 because we need 10 people to sign up to get to our goal of at least one more patron than last month and you get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting daily tech news show and making it better 90 plus percent of our funding comes directly from the people who listen to the show, and you should be one of them. So check it out. There's lots of other cool perks too. Patreon.com slash DTNS. 
Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Want to send us a picture of you wearing some DTNS gear? We would love it. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We'll be back on Monday. Don't you worry about that. Justin Robert Young will be here, too. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 